Hey guys, welcome back to Fiction Fixation. We're your hosts. I'm Courtney. And I'm Rose. This week, we're going to be recapping the 2022 movie, Where the Crawdads Sing, based off of a novel of the same title by Delilah Owens. Okay, going into this, I knew literally nothing about the story. All I knew is that there was something controversial about the director or uh, it's the author there's controversial things with the author okay um it was about a murder in zambia um where the crawdad seeing author wanted for questioning and murder i don't think she was ever charged for anything i am not going to fall back down the rabbit hole of the author maybe being a murderer um, because I was down that rabbit hole for a long time before. I mean, listen, this is not a, a murder investigation podcast, so you know we can't be judge and jury here. We don't know what the hell happened. Yeah. What's interesting is our our movie kind of opens up on two young kids finding a body in the swamp, which to me is probably one of the best arguments for like not going outside ever do you want to find a body because going outside in the wilderness is how you find a body it's it's so traumatic to find a dead body and these are kids you know and they don't seem very ruffled (laughs) they seem like they find bodies in this marsh all the time honestly they're acting like they found like a really cool rock or something and they just went and found an adult to show I'm not even going to lie. I was kind of excited that the movie started off like this because it was like instantly a CSI episode, like the sheriff rolls in. They identify the body as that of Chase Crawford, who is uh, this kid that lives in town. He was this small town's star quarterback. He was the town beloved hero, very popular Well, here's the thing. Right over where Chase was found, there's this huge fire tower and his body is right directly underneath an opening in the fire tower. So the theory is that he went through that opening. Yeah. They determined that he fell backwards through the grate, hit his head on the way down, and then that's how he died. And immediately they're like, murder. Yeah, that's what I don't understand. I was like, wait a minute. They're immediately like, this seems like a murder. And they start picking red fibers from his clothing. Honestly, from knowing Chase and just seeing how men in 1969 were, my first thought would have been, this motherfucker got drunk, Mm -hmm. came up here, and then fell like a dumbass. Or thought he could fly. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, it happens very quickly to where the police decides that this was a murder, despite there being no fingerprints anywhere in the tower, no footprints anywhere around the body. Well, I think that was their biggest sort of red flag that this was a murder and not an accident, was that there was no fingerprints, there was no footprints. So obviously somebody cleared away evidence. Well, isn't that wild, though, that when the police decides that something is a murder, the lack of evidence becomes evidence? Yes. But anyway, so they find the red fibers and then immediately their first suspect is the town weirdo. The town weirdo, Kaya Clark, she is what they call the marsh girl. She lives alone out in a little house in the marsh and she's a a recluse. Yeah, no one knows very much about her except that she lives alone. No one knows what happened to her family. Yeah, the police have to get to our house by boat. You can't really drive to our house. They look through the window of her house. She's not there, but they see in plain sight 
a red hat on her table. Like a beanie. Yeah, like a red beanie. And then they just decide, because they see a red beanie, they decide that she must be guilty of this Mm -hmm. obvious murder. Yeah, and they find Kaya in her boat in the water, and she's like, not today. Yeah. (laughs) And she just keeps going. Oh, dude, she tries to, she jumps in the marsh and tries to swim away. I'm like, girl. Yeah. Do you know what lives in that marsh? Because I do. Well, and not just that. I'm just thinking like, okay, this is suspicious, right? Like that's suspicious. Like you see the cops and you immediately start trying to run away. But no, if the cops came to my house for any reason, my first reaction would be, can I see your warrant? I don't care if they were here to tell me my house is on fire. Like I need a warrant. Yeah. (laughs) I don't talk to cops without warrants. So Kaya gets captured and she gets put in jail, you know, for having a red beanie, basically. Yeah. That is all they have on her at this point. She has a red beanie. They have some hearsay, a red beanie, and a town weirdo. And they're like, definitely guilty. Lock her up. (laughs) Listen, if that's evidence, lock me up. (laughs) Because I am all those things. (laughs) Listen, you know what? Anytime anybody I know dies under like weird circumstances, I don't post the like, oh my God, I'm going to miss you or blah, blah, blah post on Facebook because I don't want somebody thinking like, hmm, that's weird. The way you said that though kind of sounds like a lot of people, you know, just start dying. A lot of people from my first high school have died from overdoses. Oh, that's sad. It is really sad. Um, Poor Kaya is in jail and... A gentleman named Tom Milton, he comes to visit her and he tells her that he is going to be her attorney, that he volunteered to be her attorney for this. He's just really, he feels bad that she's in the situation. Yeah. And I think as a lawyer, he probably realizes that they don't have any evidence really, but that also, yeah. like I said, when the police decides you're guilty, the lack of evidence becomes evidence and yeah. even an alibi becomes weaponized against you which put a pin in that but that that comes up later (laughs) and so he tells her you know that he's going to be her attorney he tells her that she has an option to go to trial or she has an option to take a plea bargain admit that she was with chase that night that things got heated he fell and do 10 years she'll be out in six and she says i'm not going to admit to anything that has to do with being guilty Mm. i'll go to trial Yeah. And you know what's interesting is this lawyer comes in and it kind of seems like they don't really know each other. But Kaya just Kaya basically tells him her whole life story. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that I think she wants him to understand why she refuses to make any admissions of guilt. Mm -hmm. Well, she tells the lawyer, she says, you know, I wasn't always alone. I had a family once. And so now we see the flashbacks. We go back in time. Yeah, we go back in time to Kaya as a little girl. I want to say she's what, like maybe seven or eight? Yeah. And she's talking to this little boy who's on his boat at their dock. His name is Tate. He brings her a feather. He was like, hey, like, um, this is really neat. And they've probably seen each other out on the marsh before. Mm-hmm. And Kaya's father, who at this point we can tell us an abusive man, mm-hmm. he hits Kaya and she falls in the water. He starts screaming at tate to get off of his dock to leave his property and if he ever comes back again he'll shoot him tate tries to break it up and then tate is hit as well yeah because he's just a little boy so it's this really sad scene where we're seeing yeah kaya get abused by her father but then we also see that kaya had has several siblings she has a really sweet mom but yeah her dad is really abusive and her dad beats the crap out of all of them 
yeah, Kaya is the youngest of five kids. Her dad beats her mom brutally one night. And the next day, her mom just packs her stuff as dad is passed out from drinking and just walks away from all of her children and her husband and leaves. Listen, I don't want to judge the mom because obviously she's not in the right headspace after being abused for so long. But my God, you're going to leave all your kids with this horribly abusive man? Mom leaving all of her children there with this man that she knows is abusive is a big red flag for me. He was passed out. You could have taken the kids with you. Yeah, it's just I hate it. And then what makes things worse is that every single one of Kaya's siblings leaves home as well. Yeah, first her oldest brother leaves and then her two middle sisters leave. And then her brother that's just older than her, Jody. then he leaves and he tells Kaya, like, you need to be safe and you need to be smart. If dad gets like this, you just run into the marsh where the crawdad's sing. You just keep running. Okay, um, not a single person thought to bring the youngest kid with them. It's just so heartbreaking. Yeah, why? Why? You think dad's going to complain about this? No. Kaya learns to survive with her dad by basically staying out of his way and just fending Uh for herself. But the thing is, she's a kid. She's like seven, eight years old. And Mm -hmm. eventually she needs to confront him and be like, hey, I need food. Yeah. Like, dude, she's not in school. She doesn't have shoes. She's wearing dirty clothes, but she is hungry. Like, give her food. Yeah. And dad gets her on the boat and takes her to like this little dock store, this little marina store called Jumpin's. Kaya and her dad go into the store and, you know, dad gets his alcohol and then a bag of grits Mm -hmm. and some gas and that's it. Yeah. And, you know, the couple that owns the store, they can see that this little girl is in trouble. They can see that she has no shoes. She has dirty clothes and they're worried about her. And at first I thought, why don't they report it? And then I realized like they're black and this is the 1960s. Like they could not afford to kind of get involved in white white folks business. No, they couldn't. And so Mabel is one of the store owners. She's Jumpin's wife. She tells Kaya, hey, you know, they published the weekly school lunch menu in the paper. Have you ever been to school? And Kaya tells her no. Mabel tells Kaya like, hey, listen, you know, you can go. There's plenty of kids that go with no shoes. Kaya does. She The next day, she tries to go to school. She gets there and the kids are just awful to her and she never goes back. Well, she has no shoes. She has dirty clothes. She's the weird girl from the marsh. Mm-hmm. There's already been rumors about her and her family. So no, Kaya does not have a good time at school and she decides to never come back. And this is where... The mom sends a letter and the dad gets even more upset. Kaya never reads the letter. She doesn't know what it says because she can't read anyway. Yeah. Pa reads it and then immediately burns it while Kaya is sobbing at him. Then she takes the ashes of the letter and scoops them into a little jar that she keeps. Yeah, it just seems like the mom's letter only pisses off the dad more. And I'm like, you know, thanks, mom. First you left and then you send a letter to piss off the dad like thanks yeah after this kaya's dad just sort of disappears we don't know if he dies if he just sort of like faded into the marsh if he skipped town yeah it's wild like the dad leaves and now kaya as a nine-year-old is completely alone and kaya is not going to take this line down so 
in the early morning hours, she goes out and she collects mussels, like big burlap bag of mussels. From the marsh, yeah. Yeah, she collects mussels from the marsh. And then she goes to Jumpin's store. She's like, y'all buy mussels, right? So Kaya and the store owners kind of, they get like a business together where Kaya is going to collect mussels and sell it to the to these business owners. And they understand, again, they know that she's like going through something. And so they're trying to help by mm-hmm. allowing her. But dude, a huge bag of mussels and they're paying her like 10 cents, 50 cents yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Which I guess this was the 60s, so it's probably... Well, for a dollar fifty, her dad got a bag of grits, a bottle of Jim Beam, and a tank of gas. So... In the economy, am I right? Yeah. Um, do you know what this makes me think of? There's this channel on TikTok where a guy goes around and he shows someone like $5. And he's like, hey, do you want this $5 bill or do you want me to double it and give it to someone else? And then the person will be like, double it. And then they go to somebody else. They're like, do you want this $10 bill? Do you want me to double it and give it to someone else? And so on and so on. Uh-huh. And I just feel like every single person in Kaya's life was basically like, hey, do you want to deal with with your trauma or do you want to double it and give it to someone else? And like each person doubled it until we got to Kaya. Yes. (laughs) Like, don't you feel like they all just passed it down? Everybody in her family just pieced out and left her to deal with the consequences. So awful. This is what Kaya does for many years. She goes out, collects muscles, sells them to jump in, And just stays by herself. So, you know, years go by. Now Kaya is a teenager and Mm -hmm. she meets up with the boy from her childhood, the boy Tate. And it seems like he's kind of been keeping an eye on her because he starts leaving her gifts on a tree stump. Yeah, he starts leaving her feathers and then he left her a box of seeds. She was like super excited about it. Dude, Tate is a dreamboat. He is so handsome. Tate is handsome and kind. He realizes that she can't read, and so he teaches her. The whole summer, he goes to Kaya's house. They go out, explore the marsh. He teaches her to read. They go through all the books in the library. She is now fluent in reading and writing. As the summer is coming to a close... Kaya and Tate are, they're becoming closer. They are now in a romantic relationship. Well, Tate takes Kaya out to see, like, the snow geese migration. And Uh I I don't know what happened. Like, geese made her horny. I mean, they get hot and bothered. They immediately get buck naked in the middle of the wilderness, which, like, could not be me. Could not be me. But he doesn't, it seems like she's ready to have sex with him, but he stops before they actually get to it. Yeah, he stops and apologizes. And she's like, no, I, I want to. And he's like, I'm not as easily damaged as you are. Um, And he's talking about the propriety of a woman not being a virgin when she gets married. And it's it's fine for a dude, but it's not fine for a woman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, Tate was out here doing the best he could with his toxic masculinity. You know, like I'm not even mad at him. <laughs> How could you be mad at him when he gave her geese? And first of all... Y'all are brave as shit to be on that bank with all those geese. Geese are angry birds. No, y'all were in danger. He took his pants off. His bang was just hanging out. A goose could have just chomped on that. The summer is coming to a close and 
he tells her that he's going to be leaving. And she's like, yeah, like you, you mentioned it before. He's like, yeah, but it's like next week. He's leaving for college. And mm-hmm. he, I'm I'm in love with him at this point. I'm in love with Tate, too. Tate is perfection. He's so sweet. He is the boyfriend we all wish we had when we were a teenager. Yeah. Oh, my God. This, for me, is what solidified my love for Tate is the fact that he was going off to college, but he still saw so much potential in her. And he was Mm -hmm. like, hey, your drawings, because she has all these nature drawings that are very Mm -hmm. detailed. And and because she spends all her time in nature, she knows so much. And he's like, hey, you can sell these drawings. You can sell these facts that you know about these animals. He made an entire list of all the publishing houses and editors that he could find. And he's like, you need to start sending in your stuff because you could make a lot of money off of it. You know, you don't have to go and hunt muscles every day. You know, she kind of brushes it off. Yeah, she doesn't do it. That that list kind of gets buried in a book somewhere in her house. And she's ready to say goodbye because she's used to people leaving. And he's like, no, I'm, I'll come back. And she's like, no, you won't. And he's like, I promise, like, I'll come back. He's like, as a matter of fact, July 4th, I'll be back July 4th weekend. I'll come see you. Yeah, months have passed. When Kaya sees that it's July 4th, she's been counting down the days. She does her hair. She uses a little bit of makeup that was left from her mother and puts on some lipstick. And then she goes to the beach where he said he would meet her at. And... She waits and waits. Oh, this poor sweet girl. And then she just breaks down and sobs on the beach like we all would have. Well, yes. I mean, he was everything to her and he promised her he would be back and then he doesn't show up. And I was like, hey, it's okay. Like, maybe he's dead. Like, maybe he died. Okay. That that (laughs) crossed my mind. But also, does Tate not know how the mail works? Could he not have written her letters? Yeah, listen, I mean, who knows how a teenage boy's mind works, right? Tate, my dude, I just said you were perfection, and then you ghosted our girl, and I'm just really confused. I mean, I'm a millennial. It's been a long time since I've written a letter, Mm -hmm. but I do know the general concept. But yeah, actually, that's a good point. This was the late 60s. There was no way. Like, literally, if someone left town, it's like they died. Like, you would never hear from them again unless they wrote you a letter. I think Kaya sort of got it in her head that, like, okay, like, maybe I think she probably was like, maybe he did die. (laughs) Maybe he died. (laughs) But... I think she knows that if he died, she would have heard about it. Right. Right. Because his family's in town. So. Yeah. So listen, five years go by and Kaya is living, I want to say her best life, but she's living her sad girl Marsh life, really. Yeah. Kaya's an adult at this point and she finds people that are wanting to buy her home. I don't know what you think you're going to build in the marsh. Do you know how boggy that ground is? An Airbnb girl, I would stay in that little cabin. I would not. (laughs) That's how you find bodies. Yeah. And so she goes to the, at the encouragement of Mabel and Jumpin', she goes to the, I guess it's the PVA, the property valuation assessor. Well, she goes there because she's looking for the deed of her house, basically. And they're like, well, yes, your great-grandfather bought this land, and so technically you do own it. However, there's $800 of back taxes. And the way the law is written, anyone who pays these taxes will own the property. Yeah, and she's like, oh, shit, $800 is a lot of money, considering at this point she was getting paid 50 cents per bag of mussels. I mean, $800 is an insane amount of money, especially in, like, 1960, you know, 1969. 
what she does is she goes back to her house. She pulls out that old wrinkly letter from Tate that he left her with all the publisher stuff. And she starts sending in samples and query letters to publishers. Yeah. And in the meantime, one day she catches the attention of um, Chase Andrews. And at this point, I'm like, oh, okay. The accused and the victim are now meeting. And so I'm kind of mm-hmm. like, mm, okay. Yeah, he sees her coming out of Jumpin's one day and he offers to carry her back to her boat. And at first she's just like, no, thank you. He insists. And she, I think she's kind of like, smitten but also confused as to why v chase andrews is speaking to her right because chase andrews is um a very popular guy and the thing is okay so he's dressed very preppy he seems to come for money he seems Mm -hmm. sweet but at the same time he also comes on very strong like very strong he invites her on a picnic and then proceeds to almost jump her and make out with her while, and she has to push him off. He does. He just kind of like, he goes from conversation to like trying to roll on top of her mm-hmm. in a heartbeat. She shoves him off and she's like, I'm worth more than a picnic on the beach. Mm-hmm. Girl, go ahead on. We love it. We love a self-assured queen. Yes. Self-assured Marsh Queen. You know what? (laughs) Tate taught her how she should be treated and she will settle for nothing less. After kind of pushing himself on Kaya, Chase apologizes and offers to Mm -hmm. take her up to the fire tower. Now, again, this is the same fire tower that Mm -hmm. in some time he's going to fall out of and be found at the bottom of dead yeah and so at this point i'm kind of like hmm you know like did she do it because kind of i didn't even know they knew each other and now we're seeing that they did know each other so yeah and he tells her that this is where he goes to think when his family keeps getting on his case Mm -hmm. when his family just gets too much he comes to this fire tower she really seems to love it up there like she says you know she's lived in the marsh her whole life and she's never seen it from that high up from that perspective yeah she said it's like having a friend and never really seeing their full face she's so poetic she is you know we see her and chase getting closer and closer They are constantly, you know, like kissing and touching and he's constantly coming to see her. Yeah. I mean, it seems at this point, it seems like they're dating. He comes to see her all Mm -hmm. the time. They spend a lot of time together. He's all over her all the time. Yes. But there's a caveat to that. And it's that when she's in town, he does not acknowledge her. Yeah. He doesn't say a single word to her. Doesn't even acknowledge that he knows her name. Mm -hmm. I think... She seems bothered by it, but also a little um, kind of accepting of it. She does ask him about it once. She's like, tell me about your friends. And he says, I don't really have any. She says, well, you always seem to be having a good time when I see you out in town. And his immediate reaction is, are you following me? Are you following me? Creepy girl I spend all my time with. (laughs) She doesn't say no. She just stares at him. Dude, I mean, it seems like they're pretty serious. Like, that's the Mm -hmm. fucked up part is that Chase is treating Kaya like a dirty little secret when they're in public. Mm -hmm. But in private, he's talking about marriage. He's talking about their future. Yeah, he's promising her a future together. Mm Mm-hmm. 
You know, the red flag for me on Chase, apart from the fact that he comes on really strong, is the fact that when she tells him that a publisher responded to her query and that they're going to publish her book. He's not excited. He's not excited for her. I mean, do you not realize what a huge deal this is for her? She literally has nothing. And he just kind of goes, well, don't get a big head about it. No, sir. No, sir. She just got a publishing deal. That's a big fucking deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. Um, Chase takes her to a motel and they, why, why they have to go to a motel, I'm not sure. Was there a reason? Well, he, he has to go to Greenville um, to get some stuff for the shop. And he's like, I thought I could take you with me. So she went on like a weekend trip with him. So he takes her to this motel and they have sex for the first time. And he is very not considerate of it being her first time. He doesn't even undress her fully. There's no foreplay. There's no sweet I love yous. There's nothing. It's just straight to the hotel Mm -hmm. from the door to the bed to done. Mm -hmm. Three minutes. Yeah. Kaya is smitten. I mean, I guess. I mean, she doesn't really have options, right? So when we say Kaya is into him, it's kind of like, you know, she's as into him as you could be with the last man on earth. Like, as far as she's concerned, he's like the last man on earth. You know, Tate broke her heart and this is her rebound. She's settling for Chase because no one else is Tate. Oh, for sure. And no one else is around either. No one else talks to her. So she's kind of settling for the first guy that's talking to her. Um, She gets gives Chase a this handmade necklace that has like a rare shell at the end of it. Yeah. And we actually hear in the trial, because it cuts back and forth, and we hear in the trial of mm-hmm. Chase's murder that the necklace was gone from Chase's body. And Chase's mom testifies that he never took it off. Yeah, that he wore that he wore it every single day. In fact, he was even wearing it the day of his murder when he was at dinner with his family. Yeah, so at this point, I'm thinking like, okay, I see kind of, I'm starting to see the evidence they have against her, right? They have the red fibers, which do match the beanie that they found in her house. Mm-hmm. They, obviously, she had a relationship with the deceased. And his family knew about it, and they're like, hey... You need to stop. And he's like, okay, mom, I'll stop. And, you know, just to add fuel to the shit fire that is Kaya's life right now, guess who shows back up after five years? <laughs> Dreambolt Tate waltzes back into town and he has the audacity to roll up in his boat looking for Kaya, but he sees that she's with Chase now. And he also hears Chase and his friends talking about her mm-hmm. at Jumpin' Store. He hears them. It's they're being derogatory. They're like, "Oh yeah, that Marsh girl is probably a freak in bed, isn't she? Mm-hmm. She's a little wildcat, ain't she?" Do her eyes glow? And Chase is like, "Oh yeah, they do, but only for me." And he's like talking all this stuff. Tate confronts Chase, and he's like, "Hey, don't talk about her like that." So Tate goes to Kaya and tells her, "Like, hey, first of all, I'm so sorry about that whole thing. I obviously didn't die. <laughs> I'm sorry about ghosting you." Well, she also doesn't want to hear his bullshit. She starts throwing rocks at him. She's so mad. I mean, he destroyed her heart. But he tries telling her that Chase is not good for him and that he's talking crap and all this stuff. And Tate also tries to apologize for ghosting her. And it's been years. Like, it's just not okay. Like, he... It's been five years. I mean, he basically tries to say, like, hey, I got 
scared that you would never leave the marsh. I thought I would have to choose between you and the real world. Like I was wrong. Like nothing matters. I, you know, but she's not hearing it. Yeah, she wants absolutely nothing to do with him. And she tells him as much. At the height of Kaya and Chase's relationship, Kaya is in town and then Mm -hmm. she bumps into Chase and you could see him nervously looking around to make sure nobody sees them talking. And she says, I got good news from the publisher. I thought we could celebrate. And then three people walk up. Chase is like, hey, guys, you know, Kaya. And of course, they're like, oh, yeah, Marsh Girl. Mm -hmm. Chase introduces the three other people. And then one girl wraps her arm around Chase's and she goes, I'm Pearl. I'm Chase's fiance. And you just see Kaya's entire demeanor just go rigid and her being like, oh, oh, right. Obviously, Kaya is distraught and heartbroken. She runs into her house. She's like Uh hyperventilating. She's freaking out. You know, she's understandably upset. And then she hears a boat and she knows that it's Chase coming to spew some bullshit at her. So she runs and hides outside. Yeah, he comes in all angry. Like he's like pissed at her. He's like, you know, I like it's not what you think. I'm like, I'm sorry, a whole ass fiance is not what you think. This is the 1969 equivalent of why did you go through my phone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, 100%. It's totally like it's not my fault. You like went through my phone and found I have a whole lot, a whole fiance. He's acting like he just found out she had a fiance. Right. And no, and this is what happens, right? Like the the cheater is always the angriest. Mm hmm. Thankfully, Kaya does get some good news. Her book gets published and she gets sent yes. a check. Did you did you see how much it was for? Five thousand dollars. Dude, five thousand dollars in nineteen sixty-nine is a lot of money. Do you want to look up how much it is? That was also her advance. Right. You know? Right. That was her advance. Um, so five thousand dollars nowadays is kind of a crappy advance, but in nineteen sixty-nine that was a lot of money. Listen, if a publisher offered me $5,000 for an advance today, I would be like, sold. <laughs> you got it. Um, so Kaya uses that money to pay the back taxes on her property. So now she is the uh-huh. full owner of 310 acres. 310 acres, dude. So $5,000 in 1969 is the equivalent of $40,000 today. Jesus Christ. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. So- She went from literally having change in her pocket, you know, to live on, to being able to buy new furniture and, you know, kind of have a new life. Did you see the part where she's turning the light switch on and off because her house has never had electricity and she had enough money to pay the electric bill and have it turned on and she's just turning the light on and off? I know. It's so sweet. I mean, to to think she literally came from nothing, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, all this time, I mean, you know, we're talking like a couple weeks are going by and Chase is not leaving her alone. He because you can see like what an entitled prick he is that he believes he is entitled to be with her regardless of being engaged. Yeah, she is in Jumpin's store. She gives Jumpin a copy of her book and then she leaves a copy for Jumpin to give the Tate. Chase and his friends pull up at the dock. As she's trying to leave, Chase is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where are you going? And he like grabs her and she kind of embarrasses him by jerking her arm away. And she's like, don't talk to me. She embarrasses him in front of all his friends. 
After this encounter at the store, Kaya goes home and she thinks everything is fine. It is not. He accosts her on the beach over by her house. So it's secluded. It is in the middle of this 310 acres. Because he tries to apologize and he says like, you know, I have to get married to Pearl, but you're the one that I want. Mm -hmm. She rejects him, which kind of sets him off the way it sets off any toxic male. You know, if you want to know if a man is toxic, reject him. Because the way a man acts when he's rejected is his real personality. Yes. So he hits her, knocks her down and proceeds to force himself on her. She is able to defend herself the first time he tries and she kicks the living shit out of him. She hits him over the head with a rock. And then as he's like keeled over in pain, she starts kicking the crap out of him. And she says, if you ever come by me again, I'm going to kill you. She screams it at the top of her lungs. And of course, there's a random dude on a boat that overhears this whole thing and then testifies to it in court. (laughs) Like, of course, the one time you say, you know, like, Mm -hmm. if you come near me, I'm going to kill you. There's some nosy ass person listening. Yeah. Chase is able to get up. And he proceeds to force himself on her. Um, And then he destroys her house. This was really heartbreaking um, because Chase obviously is really toxic and he hates the fact that she rejected him. And so he goes to her house and trashes it. And it's like, do you know how hard she's worked for all these things that she has? Like no one gave her this. She busted her butt for it. And this stupid butthurt POS just goes in there and like destroys all her art and breaks all her stuff and she starts like realizing like he is not going to let this go yeah she has to hide at night because she's so scared that he's gonna come get revenge yes she's hiding outside at night like holding onto rocks to defend herself against him can you imagine though living in fear like that no I, I I would leave. I would run into the marsh and never come back. She just spent a shit ton of money paying the back taxes on this property. She is not leaving. She's outside hiding one night and Tate shows up. Yeah. Tate shows up and he's there to try to win her back again, to warn her off of Chase again. And he sees that, that she has a black eye. She has bruises all over her face. Mm-hmm. She doesn't straight out tell him that Chase did it. But when he asks if Chase did it, she doesn't deny it. Here's the thing, right? The hat that had the red fibers, which were found on Chase's body, actually, the hat belongs to Tate. And we see a scene where Tate gives the hat to Kaya. And she tells Tate that she was supposed to go to Greenville that weekend to go meet with her publisher in person. And he's like, go, do it. And she's like, I can't. And he's like, you're going to go to jump ins, get that bus schedule, and you are going to go to Greenville. You're going to meet your publishers. You're going to go eat a warm restaurant meal and let them put you up in a hotel. Yeah. You're going to go and do it because you deserve it. Yeah. And she does exactly that. When she goes to jump ins to get the bus schedule, he sees her face and he's like, it was Chase, wasn't it? And she's like, just let it be, jump in. And he's like, did he hurt you? And you know, he's asking about something else. And she's like, jump in, leave it alone. And jump in's like, you need to go to the police. And she's like, and you know how that's going to work? She's like, I'm going to go to the police and they're going to write it up that I was out whoring around and that I deserved it. Mm. And so at this point, my mind is like, there's three possible, you know, murderers here. Yeah. There's Kaya, there's Tate, and there's Jumpin'. Right. 
That's true. So Kaya does. She goes and she goes to meet her publishers. And as it turns out, this is her alibi. Yes. Because the night that Chase was killed or you know what? First of all, we don't even know if it was murder. He literally could have fallen on his own. But they're, you know, they're, she's on trial yeah. for his murder. But the night that he was, quote, murdered, she wasn't even in town. She was having dinner with her publishers. And her publisher, you know, tells them that they went to dinner at 730. They were there for several hours. And then they met at like nine o'clock in the morning for breakfast. So the prosecution is really reaching here. And this is what I mean by the fact that like when authorities decide that someone is guilty they'll they'll even turn an alibi against them Mm -hmm. because even though she was out of town and they have witnesses that saw her getting on the bus and then they have obviously her publishers that were having dinner with her and then she stayed in a hotel they still claim that she could have gotten on a late night bus Mm -hmm. come back killed chase and then gotten on another bus and came back in time to have breakfast the next day with her publishers And look completely unruffled. Right. And so it's like there's a lot of hoops that you have to jump through to assume Mm -hmm. that this is possible. I honestly think that that really plays into Kaya's verdict. At this point, you know, this is coming to the end of the trial and her attorney gets up and basically says it is time for us all to be fair to the Marsh girl. Hmm. Yeah, you guys treated her like shit your whole lives. Now you're taking mm-hmm. fibers and then the lack of evidence. Because that's that's really all they have on her is the fact that the fibers on the body matched the beanie that, sh- that was in her house, which, by the way, belonged to Tate. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing that they have is that they knew each other. Obviously, they were in a relationship. So I understand the motive there, right? Like ex, mm-hmm. like scorned lover. I get that as a motive. But there is no evidence tying her to it other than the hat. And that fiber could have been left there at any time. And her reputation in town. That is literally, it is a bias here. So the verdict comes in. And to the surprise of everyone, including me, Kaya is found not guilty. Kaya is found not guilty and the court apologizes to her and tells her she's free to go. Tate comes over to her. By the way, Tate was present at her trial the whole time. He was sitting behind Mm -hmm. her, supporting her. So he comes by after her verdict. And I mean, they waste no time getting buck naked. Oh, yeah. Um, Well, she goes and she leaves him a feather. Um, as like a peace offering and then he comes over and yeah they immediately just jump straight into bed together um i am in love again same he proposes to her and she goes aren't we already married like geese no i love listen no but i love that she's kind of like yeah i don't need a man where i'm sure like there was a time where it was like oh girl like find yourself a nice rich guy and marry him and she's like i am the rich guy you know (laughs) like she i am a rich man she just got a bunch of money from her publishing so we see like this montage where kaya goes on to publish several books and i mean i would only imagine her advance would increase if she's getting Mm -hmm. multiple books so this girl is flushed with money okay she is flushed with money and her and tate they continue to do research in the marsh right So Tate is working at a lab that kind of like studies like microbiomes in the marsh. And so it just seems like they're made for each other. They're so cute. They are. And it has this montage of their future and it shows children and then grandchildren coming to them. And it shows them going out on the boat together. She publishes more books. She, you know, we see them growing old together. And then 
she has the audacity to die first and break Tate's heart. I'm like mad about that. So at first I thought Tate died first because she was alone on the boat. And she said that she could only hope that when she goes, she goes quietly and peacefully. Mm -hmm. And she's talking about how, you know, but never fear because I'm always here. I am, you know, I'm there in the waters of the marsh. I'm there in the light of the fireflies. Mm -hmm. And after she passes, Tate is packing up some of her things to send over to the University Department of Conservation. Mm -hmm. And he finds the one of her original sketchbooks. Yeah, it's almost like a journal. He flips through it and he sees, you know, drawings and depictions that she has of kind of their romance together and then her mm -hmm. meeting Chase. And then there's kind of a very ominous entry in the journal towards the end where she's describing the natural order of predators and prey in nature. And that predators will always be predators. And the only way for prey to ever be safe is when the predator is gone. There's a hand-drawn portrait of Chase. Inside the pages is a hole that has been cut out in the back of the book. And that shell necklace that Chase was wearing the night he died is pressed into the back of this journal. So that is the confirmation that we have that she did indeed mm -hmm. kill Chase. Um, I don't know how to feel about it, but goddamn. You know, a friend of mine, she has read this book and she hated it. She hated it because she hated that Kaya got away with murder. Mm -hmm. Chase kind of had it coming. He had it coming. <laughs> he only had himself to blame. If you had been there. Okay, well, my tough love is not helping with getting Courtney to stop singing, so I apologize. I would not stop singing until I get a record deal. <laughs> They're going to give you a record deal just so that you stop. <laughs> Listen, they gave that um, gangman style dude a record deal. Um, so here's the thing. I understand that Kaya was like in, like fearing for her life, but mm -hmm. the fact that she murdered Chase when she was already in a better financial state. I mean, she had a lot of money because, again, five grand was 40 grand and she lived in. Very, I mean, she had very little expenses. So mm -hmm. I kind of feel like she could have gotten rid of Chase another way. Like a hitman? Um, no, no. <laughs> no, not like a hitman. Um, I guess I mean like she could have got another restraining order against them. She could have bribed the cops to like put him in jail. Mm. Like, I don't know, but like murder? See, here's, like murder? Yes, here's the thing. She was right. Predators will always be predators. And the only way prey will ever be safe is when the predators are gone. And honestly, if he was willing to take advantage of her... At that point, what makes you think that he wouldn't have kept trying to do it? Well, I think she could have killed him in self-defense because um, instead it just kind of seems like she orchestrated a cold-blooded murder and then went on to live happily ever after. Because Chase was trash. No, I get that. But I'm going to tell you something. If someone thinks that they are entitled to murder someone because the person is not a good person next thing you know they're gonna meet another bad person like you meet more than one terrible person in your life and if you could justify killing one person how do you not justify killing every bad person you come across 
I can agree with you on that point. I don't feel like you should be justified in killing every bad person, but I feel like when somebody does something like that to you, then I don't want to say you're justified, but I want to say that it's understandable. Okay. Um. So, no, I mean, I understand her motives. I understand what she was trying to do. I get it. I just don't agree with it. But girl, let, let's, again, everyone in her family, instead of dealing with their trauma, they chose to double it and pass it on to Kaya. So, so let's just agree that she's a damaged person. And she chose to deal with her trauma by murdering Chase. And you know what? And then we have Tate, who is this sweet, like, this sweet soul. So it's like, Kaya is the red flag. Like, boy, run. And you know what? And you can see that Tate was her ride or die because you know what he did with that shell? He took the he took the leather off of it that made it a necklace and he went and put it back in the marsh. Mm-hmm. The evidence is gone. <laughs> I mean, the, the killer is gone. The killer is dead. So it doesn't matter. Well, you know what? Even if she would have went to the cops the next day and then like, actually, I did murder him. Mm-hmm. Um, She was already found not guilty. Right. Double jeopardy. Yeah. That actually would have been cool if she would have like confessed as an old lady and be like, I need to get this off my chest. And they were like, well, there's nothing we can do. You know what? Yeah. Like that OJ Simpson sort of did it. Mm hmm. Okay, well, um, I think we're just going to leave it off here because we can I th- go on forever, I think, arguing back and forth about this. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Well, the teapot is empty for today. Don't worry. Maury's bringing it on the way. We'll be back next week with another episode. See you next time. Bye. Bye.